Welcome to Celluloid Citizens, a podcast about film. I'm Brian O'Connell. And I'm Sean M. Thompson. And today we're going to be talking about Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a 2013 film written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston, Mia Wasikowska, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, the late Anton Yelchin, and John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... So, I guess we should just jump right into it. It's about vampires. It's about Dracula. It's a vampire movie. Yeah. Let me just talk about how I came into this film a little. I am familiar with Jim Jarmusch more by name than by actual experience of his films. Uh, Prior to this, I'd only seen... Night on Earth, which I quite liked. It's kind of, you can definitely see it's the work of the same director, although in many ways it's very different. But I really enjoyed that movie, and then you recommended this one. So I have to admit, I think I, ap- I appreciated this film more than I... Well, let's, let's talk about the plot first, just to outline it a bit. Okay. It's fairly simple. It's Two vampires who are lovers. Uh, one lives in Tangier and the other is in Detroit. That's sort of it. And that's, you know, so I think, well, that alone should tell you. And there's this isn't a pejorative term in any way. This movie is definitely more of a mood piece than a plot piece. Oh, yeah. It's much more mood than plot based because if you actually list it out. I mean, things happen, but it's not that many things. It's not like it's a propulsive series of narrative events or anything. It's it's kind of existing in the space of these characters. And I think it does that very well. I think the the atmosphere can be very rich. I think especially some of my favorite scenes in the movie are the um montage-like moments. And he's really good. The editing here is great, I think. The opening scene with the record playing, and then it dissolves over a descending, turning camera on Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston, who who are the vampires, combined with this, like, kind of archaic music. It's a very, like, immersive experience, and it really puts you right in there. And there are a lot of moments like that in this movie. I think this is one of the few films I do want to mention the editor, Alfonso Goncalves. I think I pronounced that right. Just because the editing is so is so good. Like and I will give you that that in some ways it almost outshines the film where like those montages are so strong, but I mean a lot of the other cinematography is very static. Yeah, but it it's always it's never unpleasant to look at or anything. It's it you know, it's always clear that careful consideration has been put into the image and some of the shots I think are, you know, floored me. I who's the cinematographer? Yorick Lisso. Again, think I'm pronouncing that right. But you know, there's there's a lot of like I don't know, like gothy ambience to it, and some of it is—it's just—it's some of the imagery can be very rich here, appropriately. It's vampires, I guess. So I guess so. The problem with a mood piece—the thing you always risk with a mood piece—and this again, this is super like a personal response to the movie. I the risk you run with a mood piece is that the person watching isn't in the mood or is not on the same wavelength and 
for much of this film, while I appreciated the technical prowess on display, and especially the acting, Tilda Swinton, who we've talked about before, is amazing. Um, Tom Hiddleston, awesome. I, I haven't actually seen him properly act outside of like Marvel movies, so this was refreshing. And uh, I was delighted to see John Hurt in this movie because he's one of my favorite actors playing Christopher Marlowe, who here is a is a vampire. It's a great cast. Yeah, it is. And all the acting is good. Yeah. I was about to say superb, but I mean... Well, it's not inaccurate. It's superb. Yeah. No, no, it was very good. Yeah, it, it was like a, everybody seemed to be operating in the same space you know it it everything the thing i appreciated most is that everything the acting the cinematography the music the editing all of it seemed very much of a piece and unified like really really cohesive and well crafted well put together now it just ha- so happened that that the result didn't speak to me personally but I I can definitely appreciate the commitment and the atmosphere. Um, I know you like this movie very, very much. I do like this film a lot. I have made the claim at one point that it is one of the best vampire films ever made. Uh, And again, this is subjective. And I do love vampires, and I've seen many vampire films. I mean, it's hard to pick one that is the best that's sort of a fool's errand in any way because it's like, like, what are you in the mood for? Like, yeah. Interview with the Vampire is a great film, but you're not always in the mood for something so, uh, something with like a plot that's like ratcheting forward. And uh, sometimes you are in the mood for a mood piece, sometimes you aren't. But just personally, I think what resonates with me about Only Lovers Left Alive is it, it actually feels like a real meditation on aging and time and despite some clunky dialogue about zombies which admittedly on the second watch i'm like wow that's pretty trite but i mean the the thought behind it though is fairly engaging i mean it's people that have been around for thousands of years meditating on how terrible humans are and they've had like a lot of time to meditate i mean it's it seems to be tackling several thematic areas with this this central metaphor of vampirism the one of the things that interested me the most this is kind of for at least for the first half of the film the central focus is that adam the vampires are adam and eve for you know obvious elusive reasons yeah um adam is contemplating suicide with the uh, kind of, I, I appreciated the creativity here, this kind of, like, uh, steak bullet, almost, like, it's, it's wood encased in brass. Yeah, it's a, the inside is made of a dense wood, and the outside is a regular shell casing. And you get the sense, actually, that he already tried with a regular bullet, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I always enjoy, like, playing with the trope like that. I think this film does nifty little things like that. But he's he's extremely dejected about the state of the world. And I think at some point Tilda Swinton's character Eve comes over and she finds this gun and she basically tries to 
make an argument for for living or or what whatever we're calling vampirism like undead life or whatever that he has to reinvest himself in the world and try and take pleasure she says nature at one point you need to reinvest yourself in nature yeah kind of made me laugh because i'm like what nature in detroit (laughs) yeah that's true but i thought you know that was when it started it is kind of a relationship drama and to me that scene and i don't have personal experience in this regard but that scene almost felt like a partner like the struggle of of a relationship where one person has you know, depression or is of like a melancholic disposition and the other partner is trying to aid them and to, you know, bring some sort of sense back to their life. And and I think I think it does that dynamic between these two characters very well. It does, yeah. I mean the thing is if you're going if you're like looking for like a an action based film. Like if you're looking for a vampire film that's like a mile a minute you know, like something like 30 Days of Night. This is not 30 Days of Night. This is not Blade. <laughs> this is not... No, no. Not even Twilight, really. I think even less probably happens than in Twilight. And I'm not going to even go down the, like, yeah, I know. It, they're not good films. But, like, whatever. Yeah, well, this is going to sound mean. It is genuinely not intended to be mean. But when I was watching the film, and I was thinking of other vampire movies, the closest comparison... I could think of, and I mean this sincerely, it's like this movie is a serious version of what we do in the shadows almost, is what it felt like to me. No, that's fair. Because it focuses on the mundanity of being a vampire in a way that, you know, and obviously in what we do for the shadows, that's like exploited for extremely comedic situations. But in this case, it is kind of just what life might be like if you were if you had this if you had this condition in in the real world yeah one thing i like is that they they sort of encapsulate how slow everything would seem to someone that had lived for thousands of years yeah um they the film is like somehow able to convey the trying to think of a different word other than slowness just like the abstract nature of time if you live sort of outside of it and it does get into like yeah how mundane it would be because it's not like it's not like every night you're out feeding and even tom Tom hiddleston's character he does it relatively humanely he just buys blood that's been given they're not um glamorous vampires like you know you know or the gothic monster that they're like crawling out of their crypts and they're feeding on you know human beings and i mean really minor spoilers but it isn't really a big deal because this isn't a film that is necessarily watched it's not reliant on like the plot beats yeah it's um only at the very very end do they turn like full vampire you know i'm going to drink your blood fangs out but for the rest of the film it's clearly something that defines their lives but it's not it's like they're people who who happen to be vampires, if that makes sense. There is an interesting portrayal of them as basically heroin addicts. Yeah. Um, like in terms even down to the the shots, when they take a sip of blood, they all sort of eyes roll back in the head and there's sort of this slow-mo of them like kind of falling over a bit. And it's it's very reminiscent of someone 
I thought of heroin, but I guess it could be any kind of drug. But specifically heroin, just in terms of like how the effect, like the immediacy of just like being very relaxed and and near the end of the film, they're, you know, out of blood and they do seem like heroin addicts in withdrawal or some sort of addict in withdrawal. I, I really enjoy that scene where they're all falling back and their fangs are coming out because it has a... It, it, there's just a lot of... It's just a potent image, but... And then the other, the other thematic element that interests me in this film is the representation of vampires as this, like, undercurrent of art and culture that's been guiding civilization for centuries. Like, you know, one of the vampires played by John Hurt, as aforementioned, is Christopher Marlowe, the playwright, who in this world has faked his own death and lives on as a vampire, and he wrote all of Shakespeare's plays, and meanwhile, obviously, Adam has had a substantial influence on art and music. So there's also this, like, rumination on the immortality of art and how art continues down through centuries that I thought was, that was pretty interesting in a lot of ways. It's not something I usually see tackled in, in a vampire movie. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that, and I don't know, I've seen so many vampire movies too. I think part of my love of this film is it's just sort of a counterpoint. It's much more of a character study, and you get some interesting things they do, like like blood popsicles. Something so simple, yet I've never seen that in another vampire film, and vampire films have been around, like, so long. Since the advent of film. Yeah. Really. Yeah, no, I, again, and, like, the, the wooden bullet, like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, like, these are, like, the questions, like, that occasionally might occur to you about vampires. Oh, what if they drank blood popsicles, but you never see them, like, actually represented in this movie? Or what they actually bring up, um, what if you were to drink human blood that was contaminated with a disease? Yeah, and this and this film makes you ill. As just a way of just expanding the the genre of the vampire film this film is does an admirable job in fact i would say it's best enjoyed viewed in the context of other vampire films because that's when it's most unique and most innovative yeah i would agree with that and i actually i mean i don't blame you for like not having it resonate or not being in the mood because it is a very specific mood it's it's a very like it's that like I haven't slept in two days yeah. and like everything's basically okay with the world but I don't feel right kind of a mood and right now I could understand how it's because it's like so much is wrong with the world it's kind of hard to just put yourself in that headspace and like take it seriously at least a very like laconic well yeah we we talked about like the cheesy um the zombies conversation like oh the zombies they're ruining the planet and i guess it may be partially the context we're living in but this kind of affectless inert depression somehow might feel a little less potent in a time of complete and total <laughs> insanity where it's not just that, you know, you know, a creeping malaise, it's, you know, it's a pandemic and a authoritarian government and all of that. No, it's much more of a like 28 days later and or 30 days of night kind of like very uh, frenetic time. I, you know, it is something I would revisit in at, you know, at the right time and in the right mood, because you do kind of have to meet this film where it's at. It is a, it is an auteur film. Jim Jarmusch is a 
guy who follows his own playbook and, and stylistic taste. Yeah, he clearly wasn't sitting down like, all right, how am I going to make the most people... Uh, let me just let the fucking asshole go by. Yeah, he Jim Jarmusch clearly didn't sit down and go, how am I going to get, like, Avengers numbers of people to watch this film? You know, he was clearly like, I'm going to do a film that I want to make. And to be fair, that's sort of been Jim Jarmusch's whole career, I think. Yeah, no, and that's, that's, I always respect that in a director. And, you know, again, I've only, the only other movie I've seen is Night on Earth, but I can already pick out certain elements of his style like very nocturnal kind of experimental at points um everybody's wearing dark shades and you know listening to like you know indie music it's very it's a very distinct voice and i i totally and it is kind of funny because apparently his band is in this yeah uh <laughs> is the music in a lot of the film that's uh i mean Ed, that's his literal voice then i mean he's he's really putting himself into the work and i i respect that i think i think it gets a lot of credit just for breaking the mold um that one would expect because you know i love a lot of vampire movies like it's got to be um let the right one in or bram stoker's dracula are the nearest to my heart but the genre has become, in some ways, a little stagnated, and the only way you're gonna break new ground with it is by is by changing your approach or or breaking the rules a little. And that film does this very well. Yeah, no, I would say so. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about the film? Um. Well, I guess I would. I want to just just for the sake of of saying something positive because i feel like i may have come off as overly down on this um again well i mean that's the whole point of being of analyzing film though is having your own subjective opinion about it and it doesn't really make sense to lie yeah, about no 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 i i i i mean i won't i won't lie i wasn't i, I felt a little uninvested over the course of the movie but what i was going to say is that the element uh, we briefly mentioned it earlier but the element i most that kept me the most engaged was the performances it is yeah it's a very performance heavy film you know aside from uh, tilda swinton and tom hiddleston i think even eve's sister and anton yelchin's character ian every every they they kind of have a small cast here, but every character that appears has a distinctive impact, I guess, on just the, the general tone and flavor of the movie. And that's, I mean... And I forget his name, but I quite like the guy from Westworld, too, who plays the doctor uh, yeah, yeah, that um, yeah. Hiddleston gets his blood from. Uh, Dr. Watson, played by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. He, yeah, I mean, it's just, they... There's a lot to appreciate and enjoy. If it if it didn't ultimately add up to something that was super impactful for me, that's more a result of my own taste than anything else. But this I could see this being a lot like I could I could see this movie being a favorite of many of many people and I could I could fully understand why. I think one of the I think one of the things too that resonates with me about the film is its use of setting, and I'd say it's a very dynamic 
uh, juxtaposition as well as just settings to choose because you've got on the one hand Tangier, which is very, you know, light. Um, even in darkness, all the buildings are white and it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's bright. Is what it is. And then you have the contrast of that with uh, Detroit, which is basically like ruin porn. It's, and it, it <laughs> captures like the stagnation and the decay of Detroit. And, I, you know, it sounds shitty to be like, oh, Detroit is so great because it's, like, run down. But, you know, <laughs> like, there are parts of Detroit that are run down, and it uses those parts as, like, a reflection on someone who feels run down and who feels like the world is ending and has yeah. chosen a place that's sort of reflective of, like, stagnation. It's like a crypt. It, it serves the function a crypt would in a normal vampire movie, which, you know, as you said, sharply contrasts with Eve's Eve's abode, which is much more lively and uh, inspired. Um, but I want just the thing, the, th- the closest this film really got to affecting me was the final scene, because these two characters believe they're about to, to, to die. They've just seen Christopher Marlowe die. Um, and they watch... And it's still... You don't know... I mean, I'm still iffy on whether he dies because of a lack of blood or whether he was he had contaminated blood and he has some major disease. Yeah, I'm not sure if they made that totally clear. But yeah, they're, they're sitting and they're watching two young lovers kiss. Um, the shot is great. It has some sort of like neon moon sign in the upper left corner and it it just it's a striking image but they talk about uh the theory of what is it quantum something or other uh quantum entanglement maybe they're talking about and this comes up a couple times in the the film and i think it's one of the better lines of dialogue it's uh the spooky action line from einstein and i believe it's quantum entanglement it's basically the theory or actually, it's not even a theory. It's been proven, apparently. Uh, if you take two... If you... It was something like... Oh, uh, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how to describe this correctly. Basically, if you... If you split apart two particles and put them on opposite ends of the universe, if you affect one, the other will be affected. Then the other is also affected, even if it's, like, at the other yeah. end of the universe. That's... And I think that... I mean, that reflects the whole nature of their relationship they obviously start off on the other side of the world from each other but they're linked by this shared experience and this um this condition and it closes this spooky action if you will (laughs) yes to use the scientific term of course and by the way this is just an aside nothing to do with anything i love that that's like the literal line that he used was like spooky action and it's like <laughs> okay einstein yeah it's i mean it is spooky but it is kind of spooky yeah i mean what how else would you describe like separating two particles and having one you know react to something that's not even done to it be a voodoo doll but it is also kind of moving and beautiful and i think that the ending the ending has some shades of horror to it but this creation they're creating a new vampire couple because they decide to feed on uh the the two lovers i don't know i don't know what it was necessarily intended if it if it is intended to mean anything thematically beyond you know driving home the cyclical theme of the movie 
which is obviously embodied in the spinning record that keeps appearing over the shots. But I thought it was very... It felt like the right close. You know, it was just a very satisfying ending. It is. I think it's the best way to end a film called Only Lovers Left Alive because there's a lot of ruminations throughout the film on um, how many vampires are even left. You know, like at one point, uh, Hiddleston's character at... Or, sorry, uh, Tilda Swinton's character asks Hiddleston... You know, you need to go out, or she finds the gun. She asks him, oh, is this for protection against some of the other vampires? And he says, I don't see any of the other ones. Yeah. So you get the sense that, like, if there are other vampires, like, there are few and far between. And a lot of the film is a rumination on, like, what if these are two of the only vampires left? And so it's nice that they sort of continue it with, like, a a pair of lovers. Because, like, there's certain vampire films that do that. Like, Interview with the Vampire, it always hurt my heart that they turned a little girl. <laughs> yeah. And they approach that in that film as well. It's like she's like, you know, it's like 50 years later and she's like mentally an adult, but she's still in the body of a child. So she's like, how do I, you know, I can't have sex because I literally have to go find like a pedophile and like, then that's <laughs> icky. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's nice that they were like, oh, it's like two lovers in their prime and they clearly love each other. So it's just, it's, it's a remarkably positive ending to a very bleak film. And it's, I mean, it's, it, I like the kind of paradox embedded in that moment, in that it is a death and it is a predatory behavior, but it's also a new, it's a new beginning and a preservation of something that's pure. And I think that, you know, you could read the ending either through Adam's lens of it being like a pessimistic, you know, them being driven to uh, predate on, you know, human beings or as Eve's and that they're doing something, something preservative, something positive. Um, But I like that the film leaves that kind of ambiguity to you. Yeah, no, I like that too. There's just things that the film does that I appreciate, like... They have uh, Adam be a scientist, for instance, and he's constantly critiquing human wiring. Like, he goes outside at one point because his power's out, and there's just this, like, clusterfuck of wires (laughs) attached um, to where he lives. And, you know, Tilda Swinton says something like, oh, no wonder the power went out. He said, oh, that? No, no, I have a different... And he, like, goes under the ground, and he's been alive for so long, he's intelligent enough that he's created a way to make electricity from the atmosphere, which I just thought was really cool because it's like I haven't seen another vampire film where they actually approach, like, someone that's that old. Like, you know, they'll approach it like, oh, they're really good at the piano. But, like, this was, like, the logical, like, yeah, if someone was interested in science and was alive for thousands of years, they'd probably be able to just, like, make anything they wanted. Yeah. It's it's a film that that really thought through the implications of... of this idea of immortality and put the detail into its characters. I think really, I mean, all vampire movies deal with immortality in some sense, but the thing that is innovative about this one is that it it addresses the actual, like, the actual logical progression of that. And the only other film I think I've seen do that is probably Herzog's remake of Nosferatu, which comes to a very different conclusion that being alive for that long is just going to make you into like a, a 
a living corpse that's bored with everything and, you know, has no hope. This film takes a more humanistic approach. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't have all that much more to say about the film. I love it. It's clearly a mood piece, though, and I understand why it maybe didn't resonate with you. But I, I, this is the second time I've watched it. And it does hold up to repeat, to repeat viewings just because it's a mood piece. Yeah, and I think I, I might uh, be able to appreciate it more in a second viewing. And I would recommend it. I would say, honestly, go back to it, like, you know, at a more stable time with everything. yeah. yeah. I, I will. But in the meantime, I would I would recommend it. I think it is the, the at least the formal and performative elements alone are enough to warrant viewing it. Yeah, even if you just want to see Tom Hiddleston actually yeah. act. He can do it. It's, it's I know. It's one of the best parts. It's like, oh, it's always nice when there's someone who I mean, you know, you know they can act, but they've just been bigger stuff, so they really haven't had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of pejorative. I don't mean to say that they can't act because they're in bigger films. Like, everyone in the Marvel films can clearly act. I'm just saying, you know, like a different style of acting, like a more more internalized or... It's a better showcase for acting than a Marvel movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, because you're not surrounded by, like, you know 50 foot cgi robots and stuff yeah it's on you it's on the street especially with this movie if it if the two leads weren't good then it wouldn't be very compelling at all but tilda swinton that's true i do also have to mention before we close out yes wonderful hair you know what the hair is made of no did you read up on that (laughs) it's yak hair (laughs) all their extensions are yak hair and i just thought that was so great when i found that out I don't know why. Something about that that's, was like that's... so surreal. Just picturing someone <laughs> like, what's the best kind of wig we can use? And then someone going, yak hair. <laughs> I mean, and it looks it works. It absolutely works. That's a delightful detail. That that honestly enriches the film a little bit for me. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But God, if I'm wrong, I'm going to feel really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it's probably not uncommon. Uh, not as uncommon as one might expect but something about it in this context especially with like there are very exaggerated hairstyles and just to think that it's an abundance of yak hair is is very amusing it is pretty great but on that note i'm brian o'connell and i'm sean M. thompson thank you for joining us stay spooky stay spooky enjoy your spooky action stay alive that's a good one stay alive